Welcome to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the values, the dark side and the learnings from dealing with conflict with integrity. Discover how they lead more effectively, how they make decisions, how they live their leadership values, and how they deal with the consequences that happen because of the decisions that they make. I am John Opoon, I will be your host of the show. Please note that there may be explicit language used during the interview. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership, Living the Leadership Values. Our guests will talk about the unspoken truths of leadership, the dark sides, and the conflicts and dealing with, with conflict with integrity. And today, I have the co-founder of Success Engineers, Dino Tartia. Welcome, Dino. Yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Um, yeah, Tartaglia, by the way. Um, oh, Tartaglia, I've been, sorry. It's all right. It's, it's, seriously, I've had carbonara, tortilla, and all manner of things. And uh, I, I, I kind of, I've got very used to associating um, and identifying as a food stuff. So I'm cool with that. <laughs> I really am. No, um, seriously, it, was, it, it kind of... We're going to talk about character, I guess, if we're talking about leadership. And trust me, my name has helped tremendously in building character. It really has. So, so yeah, so it's kind of useful. Yeah, um, great to be great to be here, uh, Jonah. Thank, and thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, I've been meaning to have you on for a long time, but it's just getting that time in and getting you on because you've been so busy with success yeah, engineers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, that and a few other projects. I have a, a couple of businesses and things that I do. Success Engineers is is a joint venture um, with Simon Hartley, the illustrious Simon, um, uh, world class world class human being as as well as a world class you know um, coach and sports site. And um, we 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 put that together really must be three and a half years ago, give or take. Now the idea came came about four years ago um, because we saw a lot of people struggling. With yeah, something very close to your heart, and, and of course the the uh, the focus of, of this particular show, um, we saw people struggling with leadership, primarily of themselves. Mm-hmm. Success engineers was set up to help coaches and consultants and creatives and and service providers, you know, it, practitioners, if you will, um, build a joyful, dependable business around being brilliant at what they do, and there are two primary issues with that for most of them two big blocks the first is they don't recognize themselves as being brilliant at what they do but they are innately just as you say that everyone is essentially you know, has leadership within them um and you know it, it's just whether they choose to, to to do something about that but it's there um brilliance is, is also you know we are all brilliant human beings innately but most people have a level of understanding and capability and drive and passion and and expertise and experience they can really draw from um, some choose to, and they move into un- entrepreneurship and come across the, the dark side where we all live, um, and some don't. So we we felt that it would be useful to merge, if you like, my understanding of business mechanics, business strategy, strategic and critical thinking, and all that kind of stuff as a troubleshooter, which is really what I've been for you know thirty odd, God knows how many years, uh, working globally, and Simon's understanding of you know, of the human mind as much as anything else, but also people's tendency to do things and not do things, and mesh that together, and put and put that in place to help 
those people that I've just referred to build a brilliant business around being brilliant at what they do. So essentially, that's what Success Engineers was all about. And it's a it's been a passion project for a long time. Um, gradually becoming a you know a commercial entity, but we we kind of were more about setting things up to help people um, just kind of get out of their own way, which is really largely what's been going on um, as we start to turn the commercial screw on it as a business. And how did you get into this side of uh, business in, in terms of personal development and all that? Could you, as I remember, <laughs> that you came from a corporate background, if, if that's correct? Um, kind of yes and no. Uh, I, I did, but um, like most entrepreneurial misfits and i have a theory and i'm sure somebody will shoot me down on this but i have a theory that we we are everybody who is in you know, any form of you know owns a business is entrepreneurial in any way has a tendency towards do, doing things commercial if you will rather than um tugging the forelock or or, or even to be fair climbing the the, the ladder of corporate because um i i I don't want to be disparaging about that. I think a lot of people in the entrepreneurial game, in particular the sort of maverick entrepreneurial game, because they've not had a great time in corporate, point a finger at corporate and say essentially anybody with a job should step out into the, into the world and you know, of self-determination, if you will. And I don't hold to that at all. Not everybody is built for what we do. They're just not. And I have not, you know, not once, but many hundreds of times um, directed somebody back into a job and said that's where you know in my, my in my view that's where you belong which is really why i'm more mentor than coach if you like and more troubleshooter because i tend to say say to people this is what i see rather than what do you think um so so yeah i i i, I never really fitted um and i think that's something that would resonate with a lot of people i guess who are you know, out in the world on their own though um i don't like being i'm i'm, I'm a i'm a i'm a i'm very good at following you know, if I have to. So if somebody says to me, this needs to be done, here's the, t you know, an old mentor of mine used to say, um, I'm not the boss, the task is the boss. I always loved that. Um, it, as you can imagine, he was a good manager, very good manager, um, and a very good leader. And uh, and I kind of took that on board and used that as a maxim to measure the, the quality of the manager and or leader. As we all know, they're, they're very different animals. Um, sometimes sometimes exist in the, in the one person and sometimes very very separate and and that was my way of measuring whether or not the person in front of me man or woman was was um was uh, was leading or um was simply managing or was doing neither as is often the case and unfortunately corporate is, is full of that it's, it's full of dysfunction it's built on dysfunction and it's not really built um the best of them are but most of them are not built for entrepreneurial minds if you're in there and you're looking to make things better and you rail against things that just are wrong so if somebody says go do this and it, it doesn't fit the brief or what you've been told the, the the goal is if you ever get told what you know strategically where the business is aligned and what you're supposed to be doing and it's just a tactical response to something and it's wrong it's very very difficult for for me and i would suggest anybody like you know like like me or like us who's entrepreneurial to sit back and go okay then i'll do that and for me, that's, you know, that, that's why I would, you know, my, my long answer, if you will, is, is why I've never really been in corporate. But yes, I have been around corporate and corporates for a long, long time. Having you know, started on the tools as a young buck electronics engineer some, Christ, nearly 40 years ago, that was. So, <laughs> and I've done the rounds, 23 countries I've lived and worked in. 
pretty much. I've visited a lot more, but but I've li <laughs> physically lived in 23 countries and, and, and worked there. So, yeah, been around the block a few times. And what would you, you say your leadership style has evolved over time? You've seen over, over time as well. Mm. Um, has it changed a lot since, you know, between the two and the differences between management and leadership? Or is it just a case of down to the people and the culture of the company and the businesses? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, some of it, uh, you know, so, some of it has been my evolving understanding of something that Simon put in the words um, a couple of three years ago that really resonated with me. Um, I'd always kind of knew it, but didn't have the words for it or the lexicon, if you like, in some respects, which is that leaders don't lead um, necessarily. People choose to follow a leader. Yeah, but you have to give them a reason to follow you. Um, and I kind of, I, I kind of always liked that. I, I always felt it, but it, I never expressed it that way. Um, but I didn't get to that stage till, till very late in life. You know, for me initially, um, very much it was about setting a good example. Um, you know, when I was on the tools, I, I was just looking to be the best guy on the tools, essentially, and getting things done. So, I, you know, if things needed to be done. I was up early before you know, I was in the office or, you know, out in the field or, you know, wherever it was that I, I needed to be before the rest of the guys when I was managing a team, for example. Um, and I thought that was that's how you did things. Um, I, later in life, I came to understand that just asking really great questions of people and helping them understand um, and, and shine a light on their own potential and helping them find a, you know, a way to get on a path to realize that was, was, you know, was at, at the core of good leadership and finding a way to, you know, um, align the task, if you like, and, you know, what it was, you know, what it is that they want from, from their own careers their own life if you will um and the task getting that meshed together um was it was a great way of galvanizing a team so all these things happened later on but the, for me very much it wasn't so much a study it was more stumbling across this kind of stuff just by being out there and doing it and how did you get into personal development um, this has been a interesting feel Personal development. Um, well, my, my kind of glib answer to that is just by by living and screwing up constantly. So you know, just, you either die or you or you or you develop and you and you evolve. Slightly different things, I guess. The, the the evolution, of course, is just something that happens. Development is something that you guide. Um, and there came a point where I was just a bit tired of evolving, shall we say? You know, uh, waking up and going, I'm not happy with this. This isn't good. Um, and um, having, having, you know, having built businesses and shut down businesses and troubleshooted businesses and started my own and crashed and burned a couple of times and all that sort of stuff, um, I um, I started you know on a journey of kind of inner reflection, if you will, probably you know as a lot of men do in particular, um, and I, I say this just based on observation. So hopefully nobody watching or listening is thinking, you know, to, I'm being specifically um, genderist or sexist here, but just, you know, I'm an old bloke and, you know, cut me some slack. Um, most men that I come across, because it's just a, the perspective I've got, um, hit 30 and start going through that that, that period of, refle of reflection, thinking, well, you know, I'm at this time of life, where am I going? Maybe it's a hormonal thing, God knows. You get to 40, you really start to take stock. Trust me, when you get a 50, you seriously start to take stock. And, and I went through that. 
um, so at 30, um, I got married um, late in life, um, started the family, um, kids are great, wife was great, I was crap, um, trying to build a business for the family, never present, um, you know, building an empire, standard, standard stuff, workaholic, codependency on work, and, and it cattle the marriage, basically. Um, and things started to go, you know, sideways. And eventually, some fifteen years ago, I think um, it was longer than that when I left home. But basically, I got I got divorced, and that made me um, or caused me to take a step back and and just ask myself. And it, and it's something we we talk about a lot in success engineers. This phrase: ask myself what matters most. What is it? why am I doing this? Why did I do this? What was important? And what was important was watching, you know, being present for my kids growing up and not being on the bloody phone all the time. Because even way, 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 way back then, 25 years ago or whatever, I had a phone in my hand all the time. Might have been a small Nokia, you know, 6210 or whatever the heck it was back then. But it was, it was, it was, it was glued to my ear. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do that anymore. Or at least I try not to do, do that anymore. So that was the beginning or kind of genesis of the journey into personal development. I've always been around it. I mean, my father was into comparative religion, Joe. Um, so he was kind of uh, a bit of a deep thinker, um, was into, although a Catholic and a practicing Catholic, very, very much into spirituality and, and um, Buddh Buddhism as a, as, a, as a way of being and thinking, mm -hmm. um, philosophy generally. So I kind of grew up with that. And it and it infused itself into me in some respects. So I guess the seed of it was always there, but I, um, the, the real trigger was was kind of bottoming out after the, the divorce and going through the divorce and thinking I don't I don't want to be like this anymore. Um, what is it? What do I want? What matters most? And that was that was the beginning of it. And I was very very fortunate to stumble into a situation where I discovered Jim Rohn and had Jim Rohn as mentor for nearly three years on and off. Um, spent quite a bit of time with Jim, God rest him, now gone, sadly. And that he, he in particular, more, more than anybody else that I was around and books that I read and whatever, affected my thinking tremendously. I wish to God I had his way of taking complex um, ideas and distilling them into very, 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 very punchy, uh, simplified statements. But um, the man was a, he was a, he was a gem and, and he was a genius at that. And, and it had a hell of a, uh, an impact on me. Yeah, well, Jim Rohn, obviously the godfather of personal development, and yeah, you know, his teachings still linger on to the, to to this date, right? Through Tony Robbins and other other big mentors and and things that they share. So, um, mm. yeah, very, very very much. I think yeah, the, th the thing about uh, about Jim is that um, for all you know, for all he packaged up a lot of ideas and concepts into you know into pithy statements and what have you. The reality is that all he did was draw on fa foundational principles. Um, and you know, I, I have this view that there's, you know, all the, you know, the religions of the world and the personal development gurus of the world and you know, the other ones that are doing it well, um, they just draw from the same fountain of truth. Mm -hmm. But the amount of water they draw and how it tastes and how, how it's presented to people in the different pictures and stuff, that's all different. It comes from the same place. So it's all foundational stuff. It's all it's all principles rather than techniques or models or whatever. And Jim was a master at that, um, absolute master at that. Um, one of the one of the things that um, had an imp the, probably the biggest impact on me uh, as I was going through the, the the divorce, or actually in the run up to the divorce, um, and that kind of you know sort of seminal or t turning point in my life was um, he said. Um, 
There were a few things that he said that were very similar, but one of them was, um, if you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree. <laughs> and I, I, so I, was, I remember sitting in the room at the time. There were about 30 of us. And he said that. And, I, and yeah, I mean, it's a thing that he trotted out a lot, but I, I hadn't heard it before. And I went, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And and yeah, he talked about um, humans being unique, you know, on the on the on the face of the earth. That you can, you know, um, geese fly south for the winter, you know, um, you know, driven by a genetic code. But we we can fly north, south, east, west, stay in a hole, go in a cave, do what we want. We are unique in that we're not driven by that instinct, if you like, and mm. and what he called the genetic code. Same same thing. Choose choose your destiny, if you will. That that's a bit more Robbins like, but essentially that was that was really what Jim was saying, and those those sort of that kind of thinking got under my skin and into my brain, and affected me. Just going back a bit, mm. you, know, you touched upon that men uh, in their thirties mm. usually go through this um, stuck or lost phase. <laughs> I can relate to that because that's where I was. Um, right. How? How did you navigate to the point um, of of just knowing, waking up one? Is it waking up one day and be like, "I'm just not happy with where I am or what I'm doing"? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one. I think generally that that change comes about uh, as, as a result of the kind of confluence of an event and a circumstance, mm-hmm. and and that that creates the trigger for most people. Sometimes it is literally just it's reflection. Um, and for me, it was. But but again, set of circumstances, an event. Um, you know, you wake up one morning and you go, "Nah, enough." Sometimes you can put yourself mentally and emotionally in that state and get ahead of it. But I think for most people, it, it's something that 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 happens almost organically, if you like, and triggers. So yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I think it varies for a lot of people, um, but it is a there comes there comes a point where something moves in you. To, to 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 kind of change because it isn't it's you know in my case i knew for a long time that something wasn't right with how i was behaving how i was living because i could see the impact of it on the people around me um and i knew that it you know it, as is the case i guess with just about everybody pretty much i knew that it it related to upbringing and you know um conditioning and you know and beliefs and values and stuff that i held but a lot of that was kind of subconscious acknowledgement of it. I wasn't, it wasn't present. I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't going, oh, well, this is something that happened, you know, this is a result of something that happened to me when I was seven and there's this specific incident. It wasn't any of that. You know, like they, <laughs> I remember an old, um, an old, uh, an old sketch from years and you, my God, 1950s, I think it was. And there's a, there's a, there's a, it kind of, it's kind of riffs on this and the, uh, the the spoofing about about the fact that you know things go back to a specific event which is sometimes happens and sometimes doesn't with people i think in personal development and and the guy walks into uh into a psychiatrist's uh, uh room lies on lies down on the couch and the psychiatrist says well you know tell me about you know so tell me about this this, this situation and the guy goes straight into it self-diagnosis and says well it all happened when i was four and i was attacked by a bear and he's and he's and he's and he's right into it, and I remember seeing that and just belly laughing and thinking, "Yeah, I wish it was that straightforward." I don't think that that happens for any of us. Um, for me, it was a it was a dark kind of mess of things that I, I kind of dug into, trying to figure out why why my kind of beliefs and behaviours and patterns were kind of the way they, the way they were. 
Um, so yeah, long answer, but but essentially, around about you know, I, I got married um, married um, when I turned thirty, so a bit, bit late uh, or later, I should say, and at a time where I would be looking to um, figure out where the next stage in my life was going to be, I threw myself into into marriage, which you know, um, you know, thankfully I have two gorgeous daughters that came out of that, and many happy memories with 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 the ex. Um, and a, an interesting business and set of businesses that came out of that. So some huge stuff. But the flip side of that was looking back, honestly, it was yeah, you know, it was the wrong move because what I what I did was I chose to get married instead of chose to figure out what the hell I actually wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that resonates, but that that's that's kind of I It was one of those we talk about this actually success engineers this reactive decision making. I just literally, it was like that. I went, um, okay, this seems like a good thing to do, you know, bit of a bizarre thing, but, you know, it seems like a good thing to do. I was moving in that direction anyway, um, and, and and that's where I went with it, um, where I, what I really should, if it was me now, I'd go back and I'd, 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 tackle, it, I'd tackle it very, very differently. Um, yeah. Well, it's interesting you say it was late, but, you know, in, in to get married after 30s now is quite pretty common nowadays but i guess since back then because yeah. in your time it was yes um you you know you probably get married like early 20s right or mid 20s yeah. or something yeah i think it was 20 i was actually 29 like it was 1990 yeah so it was, 20, it was 29 yeah so i'm 59 now yeah so when you're when you were creating your business and and going through mm. that um phase mm-hmm. how did you come across with dealing with the dark moments um i think that's the part the part that um most people don't talk about uh, and, and it's yeah. one that an issue that i want to raise more about through my yeah. podcast and through you know the experiences from you and many other you know, guest experts that come on sure sure um so for me um and i think that again i've seen a lot of this in, in terms of patterns of behavior um, there was <clears throat> there, there was a codependency on work. You know, work, work and work and I were one. So I would go to work and bury myself in work. <clears throat> Some people take to the drink. Other people shoot up. Other people just do uh, bad things, or somewhere on a continuum of you know not very good through to really bad. Uh, in my case, I just I just lived lived for work. So I was putting in ridiculous amounts of time. Um, and it was an avoidance thing because things had got to a stage. And, you know, and to be fair, there was nothing innately wrong at home. Um, it was me. I, I just decided that I, I, I was going to build. Yeah, you know, it was very easy to dress it up, and I did at the time as an altruistic. You know, I'm you know I'm there. You know, building the business and you know carrying the flag for the family, and I'm going to state you know going to conquer the world and put this thing on the on the mountaintop, and and build this empire for the kids and this legacy. But the reality is, I was just avoiding. Um, something that I couldn't put my finger on and was was you know wasn't good, so that th- that darkness, as you put it, was there permanently. It was there before I got married. It was it, it hadn't gone, and I carried that into into the, the relationship and into the marriage, and into work, and it drove me to um, to to build you know significant business and businesses actually do an awful lot of fairly powerful stuff from a consulting point of view. But the, the 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 victim of all of that, if you will, the casualty of all of that was was you know was the home life, which you know 
be lovely to go back and change it, but I can't. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, um, yeah, so so the way, that was my way of coping, if you will. Um, and, and there wasn't really, I, I guess, you know, there, there were times where I, I tried to tackle it by taking time out because I built a successful business and I could, I could walk away. Uh, for, so we take, we disappear for a couple of weeks with, with a family, but I found still on the phone, still checking in, still doing all of, all of the stuff, not letting go control freak and all that sort of stuff. That was all there. Um, so yeah, I guess that would be my, that would be my response to it. In my case, it was a codependency, uh, with, with work. Um, that became the central part of my life rather than, um, the family for all that, you know, I love my kids and, and what have you. It didn't show up. There's an interesting point, actually, it's something I talk about, um, in terms of turning distraction into traction, <clears throat> um, with, uh, at success engineers. And it's about, and, and I don't know if this will resonate, but this is something I was very, very guilty of. Um, when I ask people who tell me that they're distracted a lot, um, or they're procrastinating or whatever, whatever, but they're not getting on with the, the you know, the, the things that they need to do, yeah, in their, in their business. Um, I asked to look at their diary. And it's either full of guff or it's blank or it's somewhere in between. But what I normally do before I um, before I ask to see the diary or the calendar is I ask them, um, you know, what are their top priorities in terms of the relationships that they have? And normally they'll say, well, it's my kids. It's my it's my, my husband, my wife, my partner, whatever. It's, you know, this business relationship is this it's my parents. Um, and then I look at the diary and there's no bloody sign of that anywhere. Yeah, other than you know, taking um little Jenny to you know, ballet class or you know, dance class or whatever. There's nothing in the diary. And you go, Okay, so you're telling me this is what matters most, but actually your diaries are the full of other stuff which you're not getting done anyway, or or that. So that you're not making time for what you tell me your values are. So there's a there's a disconnect. Um and that was me back then. To, you know, so I'm certainly not pointing fingers, by the way. That was me. But it, it kind of opened my eyes as I started to dig back into all of this and into that. And that's something I'm very big on now. If somebody says to me, these are my values, I'll look at the diary and say, okay, where, where does that resonate in you, in you, in the time that you make for these things? When was, you know, um, when was the last time that you, you say this, this person um, you really like? Um, when was the last time some relation or whatever, your uncle? When was the last time you picked up a phone and spoke to him? When was the last time that you put 15, 20 minutes, half an hour in the diary to speak to your gran, you know, or whatever, yeah, whoever? Um, and they look blankly and go, oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> because we need the wake-up call. You know, we, we kind of, I think, somnambulate through life. We sleepwalk through all this stuff, and it becomes almost autonomic, you know, like breathing. We just do this stuff because it becomes the habit of not doing what, what matters to us. And we... You know, we get into the mechanics of working and making a living and, you know, and doing all that sort of stuff and not living, not really living. Yeah, definitely that, that would describe me for about 15 years, pretty much. But yeah, that, 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 that would be my, my kind of answer to that. That's interesting. You say that, um, the, the, the previous guest, Vin Zhang, um, he mentioned this about, um, the fulfillment factor, mm. but also having KPIs in all areas of your life of your values. Yes, and yeah. making time, you know, making time in your diary to, you know, like he said, um, he spends like fifteen minutes, half an hour of intention, intentional play with his kid. Yeah, then like every week, um, once a week or something, they they he cooks with his wife, and then 
another a day of just catching up, chatting, mm-hmm. and, and checking in with each other. Yeah, and making sure that aligns with the values and making time for it in your diary, like you mentioned just now. Yeah, they're, they're great ideas. I think you know you adapt that. These are principles again. You adapt that to to suit your personality. You know what works for you, what works for your partner, what works for the family. But yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think if if it's not in your diary, then you know the 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 expression that we have is if um if it's not if it, basically if you don't make if you haven't made time for it in your diary, then you are not distracted from it because there is nothing to be distracted from. You just choose to do something differently. It may not feel like that, but that's exactly what you're doing. So if you you know if you are um if you, if you are on your you know and it's a big one. If you're on your device while you're spending time with your your your, your, your kids, um, and not are not present with them, but that's not in the diary, then that was not your intention to spend time with them. Yeah. So I, I absolutely that that resonates with me. It may sound over the top to do it. I think for a lot of people it, would, it probably would be. But the reality is, if you say to somebody, "What's your biggest problem in business?" and they finally get to the answer, which it almost always is, which is a lack of consistency. Yeah. Not doing the things that matter not doing the things that are effective and doing them frequently enough and showing up frequently enough, another issue with leadership, really, then inevitably you look back to the diary and go, okay, well, where, you know, where are these things that you claim? claim? And if they, if they are starting to tackle that by doing something that essentially um, doesn't break trust with themselves, because one of the big issues with procrastination is that we break trust. Every time we don't do the thing that we say that we're going to do for ourselves, um, another function of leadership, I think, or the absence of it, is we break trust with ourselves and gradually our confidence and our ability to, you know, and our trust with ourselves to do the thing that we said we were going to do, it starts to weaken and eventually snaps. So um, we would probably put the thing that we're going to do, which might be, I don't know, journaling for 10 minutes a day or meditating for two minutes or whatever, we put it in the diary. And yet, you know, the the, the, the half hour or, or the date night with your daughter or whatever it's going to be, isn't in the diary um you just elect to do it and then guess what you know your phone's next to you and you remember that there's an email you haven't sent and bang you're on it that, for me that's i mean i've been through that um, categorically putting that in the diary and going right kiara's my eldest eldest daughter um she's she's just been been with me for uh, for the weekend so um that's in the diary um and the time that we spend you know we're, we're, we're at the minute we're working through um we're working through all of the Marvel Marvel universe in chronological sequence. By the way, yes, um, yes. <laughs> so, uh, so we're up, we're up to uh, we're up to um, the Avengers now. We just finished Captain America. We're on to the Avengers. Um, that you know that two two hours and twenty minutes or whatever you know, but basically it was a three hour slot is in the diary mm-hmm. um, as of as of Sunday because that's what we were going to do. And I'm pretty rigid about that sort of stuff now. So I, I, I absolutely agree with them. I think these things need to be. Sometimes they sound stilted to a lot of people. It's like, well, you know, I, I care about so and so, and of course I'm going to do it. Put it in the bloody diary then. You know, block out the time. You know, make it intentional. I think it's, re- it's really good advice. Yeah, I remember the phase. Um, I, never, I can't remember who told me this, but um, hmm. I think it's one of my mentors or first mentors that I worked with. Um, he said, if it's not in the diary, it's not going to happen. So make yeah. sure you put it in the diary. I'm just like, you know, like, you know as as a fresh graduate, it's like diary. Like, <laughs> do do we use diaries? <laughs> Calendars? <I'm> like, mm. <laughs> it's it, it is really solid. I, I resisted this for a long time. It's really solid advice. Yeah, it really is. 
But yeah, uh, we, we've got a um, in 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 success engineers. We have a, a the accelerator, as you know, which is kind of the it's a bit of a different model because so we've got success unlock, which is the free group, and then success um, the, the the accelerator is the workspace, if you like. The way to think about it is the success engineers universe is is like a floor on, a, on an office building where everybody comes to work, and there's a Google style chill room, and there's a canteen, and and all, and an open office. But right at the end of the floor is a war room and a conference room and a lecture theater and whatever. And you have to get your, your badge your, um, um, uh, upgraded to get in there. So that's the paid area, if you like. And that's where we focus more intently on, you know, the productivity generators in there and essentially the the, uh, the implementation room and, and what, you know, generating consistency, all that stuff is in there. Um, and, and, and these are the sorts of things that, you know, for me that I go through specifically, particularly to try and drive consistency Mm. in the behaviors of people and and also because it's all built on a thing that we call the accountability engine which i, I know you know about um to, to provide some support for people I, I tend to not like using accountability um in the way that a lot of people do because it sounds like a stick to beat people with but the reality is it's just support it's so that you are helped and guided to show up when you intend to show up when you to to, to strengthen the, the the muscle of commitment which is really just a characteristic at the end of the day, that ability to just do what you said you were going to do. So with yeah. that, that's really what that's for. And, and the diary is a massive, massive tool um, in, or I should say weapon in that arsenal. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this one up because showing up seems to be a, a huge struggle um, for many, not just entrepreneurs and coaches, but mm. even in day-to-day people, like they struggle to show up for themselves or they usually say, yeah, I'm really struggling to show up or be consistent yeah. um, or be, you know, need more accountability. But is, is it really down to the accountability down to themselves and responsibility for that? It's a great question. Um, well, yes and no. Um, yeah, Simon, in in, um, in one of his books, Master Mental Toughness, which he mm. published a couple of years ago, it's a great, great read. Um, he talks about the four pillars. Um, and one of them is, um, yeah, this resilience, tenacity, um, composure, making great decisions when it's all going to shit around you, basically. <laughs> and then personal responsibility. Personal responsibility, in my parlance, is just internal accountability. Um, it's, pardon me, it's you It's you saying, I'm going to do this thing, and then doing it. And holding yourself to a standard that ensures it gets done. Now, that's a bit of a bitch, really, for most people. That's really, really tough, because there are things you just don't want to do. And there are there are other things that you, you you your internal compass is saying you don't want to do because you really shouldn't be doing it, but you think you need to. You're like running Facebook ads and or learning Facebook ads. Let's say that might be something either you want to hand off to somebody else, or actually it's there's, there's something instinct instinctively or instinctually in in your psyche that's saying it's probably not the right time to be doing this, um, or you need to lean into it because it is exactly the right time to do it. And it scares the crap out of you. But it's understanding those things. For me, uh, th- that kind of external accountability is, is provides that, you know, holds that mirror up for you to analyze that, if you like, and start to feel into what it is that you, you, you you're, um, why you're getting that kind of resistance and then step into it or step back because it is actually a, it is actually something saying, you know, like a, an alarm saying that you, sh- you shouldn't go near this. Um, or it is just something that's uncomfortable and it's, and, and it's because you're sensing that there's growth coming. Yeah. So it's understanding those things and, for me, the personal responsibility thing um, still still needs the wraparound of external accountability. But what external accountability that's properly done 
um, provides and facilitates is you to strengthen that 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 characteristic, that muscle, if you like, internally to become more responsible. And bit by bit, it's not a crutch, although I used to think it was. If, if external accountability is held up, you know, and done properly, it, it just it's a bridge that you kind of go across. So you get to that point where you stand on your own two feet. But the reality is, you always need it. If you look at uh, you know the best CEOs in the world, they still have a board. They're still accountable to somebody because we always need that. Because accountability comes with you know kind of corrective guidance, if you like, and, and kind of you know what the Americans call bumpers. You know the, those those guardrails that go up in in bowling that stop mm-hmm. the ball going off into the gutter. Yeah. They're kind of there for that. Um, so I think it, it's important to separate probably what I'm saying. Sorry, this is a bit stream of consciousness. Um, it's important to separate external accountability from internal accountability or personal responsibility, but equally not to conflate them because one, one is, for me, is, is, is always required. But if you can be depended upon or if you can depend on yourself to turn up and do the thing that you committed to, then you really have developed your internal accountability or your level of personal responsibility to a world-class level. But the, um, let's call it the, 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 not the, the dependency on, but the requirement for external accountability will probably never leave you. That, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but that would be my view. Awesome. And rewinding when you mentioned um, this was when you said um, entrepreneurship and business is not for everyone. And yeah. um, that, mm. you know, they should go back to a job. Can they still go back to a job, but also be entrepreneurial on the side still? Um, it depends whether it's in them to do it, you know, as in you know, it will ever be there as something which is overriding and, and the urge is, is there. If they, if they want to, um, if they want to you know, support somebody else and somebody else's cause, um, but be given a bit of you know, room to breathe, if you like, and to express themselves, um, then it's really just about, for me, it's just about finding, you know, particularly if they, if they, they don't do well with risk, then, um, and that's the big indicator, really, do you have an appetite for risk? If you're really risk-averse, um, you want to be in that environment. And what you do is you trade, um, you, you trade um, some of your, let's call it freedom. It's not really that, but, you know, that, that, that capacity for self-determination and that ability to do that for, um, for, for your perception of security or safety or certainty. But if you are less seeking of that type of security, I'm not going to call it certainty because you can, you can, you can create certainty in, in entrepreneurship for sure. But that level of safety and, and move away from that risk, if that's something that you're not built for or you're not ready for, then, but you, you feel this entrepreneurial spark, then it's really finding a career, if you like, or an environment in a you know in a job situation an employment situation where you can contribute and feel like you're contributing and being fulfilled and growing um whilst still remaining fairly you know fairly safe and sucking up the fact that from time to time you're going to have to do stuff that doesn't vibe with you because that's that's the nature of that's the trade-off mm-hmm. if you can't live with that really can't live with that or you're not good at taking orders should we say then um i think i would split that into two camps there are those who just aren't built, you know, or have reached a stage where they're just not built to 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 function inside a, an employed environment, and then there are those who are just unemployable. Period. I've come across plenty of those since I've come online. They're just bloody dysfunctional. 
So they shouldn't be in entrepreneurship and they shouldn't be in a job. I don't know where the hell you put them, but you know, they are, um, they want their cake and they want to eat it, which is, I don't want to be told what to do, but equally, I don't want to discipline myself to do the things that are necessary in building a business. Okay. So what you want to, you want, your strategy is to win the lottery then basically. Is, is that, yeah. I, I've come across a lot of those people since I came into the online space and they frustrate the hell out of me. They really do because they don't seem to fit anywhere. Um, but yeah, uh, the answer to the question is, yeah, the, 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 there are indicators. The biggest one for me generally is risk appetite. You know, put yourself, you know, look, look at yourself in the mirror. Mirror is a great tool. You can't lie to yourself. You just can't stare at yourself in the bathroom mirror, have a chat with yourself for 10, 15, 20 minutes. That's a long bloody time when you're talking to yourself that way and ask yourself some deep questions and just watch your body language and your body will tell you and your face will tell you if you're bullshitting yourself. Yeah, and 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 ask him, am I am I okay with risk? How can how can I get better at, at this? Is this what is this what I really want? It's a good question to ask. Why do I not want to be in a job? Maybe you just don't like the manager. Maybe you hate hate the environment that you're in. But actually, that's what you're built for. That's where you should be. So these are these are questions to ask. And if you're going to go out into the world outside, ask yourself the, the question: What do I want? Um, actually, just on that, just again, stream of consciousness. Sorry, jumping around. Uh, I saw something the other day talking, I think it was a TED talk or something, but um, something on YouTube it was. And and they were talking about perfect day and perfect week and perfect month. And I, <laughs> I call bullshit because we don't do perfect. You know, perfect is God's business. It's That's not excellence is our business. We can do excellence. We don't do perfect. Um, so for me, um, an ideal average day, an ideal average week you're going to project, project anything, do an exercise, do that. So if you're figuring out what you want to you know, do, if you're going to step away from corporate, um, if you're going to lead yourself before you can lead other people, which, of course, is a key, key point, then ask why. And what, what, do you, what, what matters most to you? <clears throat> what are you stepping towards? Why would you do that? How do you see that panning out? And what does an ideal average day look like, an ideal average life look like? Yeah, not perfect. Um, and not something that you're going to, again, average is key here, not something you're going to experience every single day. But on average, this is your this is your baseline. You know, Simon and I have got this concept of raising the floor. Yeah. Mm. There's that, that, that old expression that you don't you don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. I would add to that the level of your systems, your behavior, your values, yeah, your habits. So the fact that you do that means that you want to be just working on every 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 so often not every day because it's very hard to do that unless you're an olympian <clears throat> is is just raise the level of your performance and ideal average plays right into the heart of that whereas perfect doesn't perfect talks about aspirational goals and they're nice as a kind of true north or a north star but that's not what you that's not where you're going every single day and every minute of every day so what is it that you're actually building that's going to do that and for me, one of the great things to focus on is what does the average look like so that you understand that the, the, the bottom of that is going to be pretty awful and the top of that is going to be pretty good. And you're pretty happy with the mean of that. Um, so what does that look like? Get perfect out of your vocabulary. Perfect. Sorry, I went, I went off on one there, but yeah. No, just perfect, perfect is such a, a big one, I think. Mm. That stops most people because they want to be perfect before they even get started. Yeah. Um, I, I, Excellence. Sorry, sorry to jump in. Excellence. Standards and excellence. Excellence we can do. 
Um, and I think, you know, here's another one, actually. What is your vision of excellence? You know, have, have, yeah, if you've been in business any length of time, have you written that down? Have you got a clear picture of that in your head? Is it is it framed anywhere? Is it on a bloody vision board? You know, what is it? Or are you just trying to do the best you can? That's a bit wishy-washy. You know, a bit, a bit, you know, a bit like the, the advice to um, have KPIs for every area of your life, which is a great idea. Same thing. You know, don't be sloppy or lazy with this stuff. Get your vision of excellence down. What does it look like? Hold yourself to that. Have standards. Sorry, just jumped in there. <laughs> have it on your wall so you can see it every day, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why? Stick it next to the mirror if that's you know if that's your thing in the morning. I yeah, I look like this, so I don't go near mirrors generally. Um, I just stay well away. But yeah, what, whatever, what, whatever the thing, a fridge, or stick it on your fridge. Anything, just something where you can see it and where it just programmatically sort of you know um, works its way into your brain. What is your vision of excellence? It's another thing to focus on. Mm. I love the fact that you said look in the mirror and ask yourself questions because I think that's the that's the time where I flipped my life around mm. was um, well, I was going through corporate but also reaching the point where I was like am I happy and if this is what I was to do this for the next 10 15, 20 years is this where I want to be and is this the feeling I want to wake up with every day because mm. that's where at the point I was like physically and mentally burnt out and I tell the story many times in, in what I do and who I am and how I came to do this and yeah got to the point where i was mentioned physically burnt out and i asked myself just deep questions i said am i happy um where do i want to go what do i want to create is this the life that i want to settle with Mm. and when the answer becomes no too many times like steve Jobs says then you need to do something else (laughs) yeah so i love that you touched upon that and you you mentioned um in your in success engineers and it's such a great um place to be by the way i'm part of it i'm just not just here to sell it but there's um it's such a it's so helpful to have that space with people who's going through the same journey Hmm. Um, especially um in any climate i think whether you're how long you've been building the business because everyone's in such different um places and journey but they still share the you know, the same challenges and the yeah. same issues that we all go through every day. Yeah, very, very much. And th- th- yeah, thanks for the uh, recognition for the group. It- it's nice to know. Yeah, you know, I-, I often say that you know we, we just bring good humans together um, who happen to be in business because, and and for me, that's the way it works. Again, it's 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 like building a successful business around being brilliant at what you do. It's understanding at the core of it, we have people who are brilliant at what they do. Um, then it's, you know, for, for them, it might be very, very hard to build a business. But for us, it's, it's fairly simple, fairly straightforward to help them understand how to do that, how to start thinking and acting like a business owner around their you know, creative urges or their entrepreneurial tendencies or you know, their expertise or whatever it is that they are brilliant at. And, and, and having that ethos, if you like, as a, as a founding principle for the group, good humans first. Um, and curating the group so that, you know, not, not just anybody can get in, if you like. We're not looking for a massive group. It's nice to know that it kind of resonates in that way. So thanks for that. Um, yeah, it, it is a, um, there's a nice vibe in there, I have to say. And what would you, um, what does digital leadership mean to you? I know, like, in this, through this, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, it's changed mm. 
a lot and it changes now every day to day there's something new coming out and new tools and new systems and new yeah. new shiny objects very much um well actually well, i mean just just you mentioned shiny objects there. that's an interesting trigger phrase yeah um i'd say that what one one big test of leadership is not buying shiny objects yeah <laughs> be a good one yeah self-leadership you know don't buy the shiny object don't go don't go into the light you know let's <laughs> say step back um Big issue. I'm, I'm a, you know, I was an app sumo junkie and a clickbank junkie for, for, for ages when I came online and all that stuff. I discovered it. Oh, you know, I'm going to need that. And obviously, I'm going to need it on a lifetime deal yeah, and all that. So, yeah, uh, the, 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 for, for me, um, yeah, the, 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 it's something we talked about earlier about the, the ability to leverage tech to get more done, to augment the, 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 the growth, to develop the path that you're on, to smooth the path that you're on. And you know, systems developing systems and processes that that, that tech can then um, um, sort of ease the burden of if, of, if you like, or augment or leverage. Um, that's for me. That's the digital aspect of it, if, if you like. So, if you're first and foremost, you have to have you have to have systems that work. And one of the systems that that, that has to work is self leadership. That that capacity to do what needs to be done. Um, doing the right thing in the right way at the right time, et cetera, et cetera. And the understanding of that, understanding that business as, as life is a theory and understanding that everything you do just generates data that you then analyze to tell you if you're you know, on or off track. Key thing. So you don't get despondent um, looking for an outcome that's, you know, that's a long way off and not knowing if, you, if your process is working. That's another, that's a conversation we could spend an hour on. Um, so, so, so just, Understanding the things that need to be done, the core things, the fundamental things, the, the things that sit on top of principles that you have to apply for your own journey to take that theory and put it into practice, if you like, and get it right. So there's a lot of leadership kind of wrapped around that. And what digital does for me, and particularly tech specifically, is it allows it allows me to then, once I've got that right, or the green shoots are there, if you like, is to then accelerate that process so that um, I can automate an awful lot of things. You know, two, two great watchwords in entrepreneurship for success are leverage and structure. Mm. Well, what the structure and the processes that work, then I need to leverage the hell out of that. And that is resources and people and, and, and systems and what have. And tech is, a, you know, and, and, and digital is a huge part of that. So it is about getting more uh, out of, what, you know, of what, what, I've, what I've built or what we've built. But what we've built has to be foundational. So that when we scale, you know, um, I don't want to misuse the, the word. I was talking with Ed Davis yesterday, cracking guy, um, about uh, the difference between growth and scale. Um, and But scaling is really when you start to, and this is really where tech comes into its own. Um, sc scaling, different from growth, is where growth is where you, um, in my parlance at least, growth is where you're getting, you're getting um, uh, leaps in revenue for you know, adding a, a lot of resource, if you like. Scale is when, when digital really comes into its own in the modern age, where you are getting large increases in revenue for incremental increases in, in resource. That's really where the tech starts to turn the commercial screw on your business, and that's mm. where you scale. Um, but that's exactly the same for um, anything, including this, the, 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 the demands it places on you and therefore the growth, not just in your business, but in you as a, as a business leader. So the, te the tech starts to accelerate the growth of the business, if you like, or scale it, there are new challenges and bigger demands that are placed on you. You need to be ready for that. 
So the two, I, I really like the idea of digital leadership that you've, you've kind of come up with because the two uh, are conjoined. You can't separate them in the modern age, I think. Yeah, that's, that's something that I wanted to um, put together. It's such an important topic, especially for nowadays, you know, with the rise of technology and digital, but also with the lack of leadership and requirement of people stepping up into mm. leadership positions. And like you said, like, you know, it's people choosing to lead, you know, they don't have to lead and they don't choose to be a leader, but they just happen to become one through what they do and the choices that they make. Yeah, very, 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 very much. Um, I think also, you know, I'm, I'm very open about you know, the pivotal points in my, my own journey. It's why I've talked about the marriage and all that. Mm. I think that vulnerability, um, you know, we were talking before about groups and about success engineers and, you know, groups of entrepreneurs. God knows there are plenty of them to choose from on the web. Um, there's a there's a big difference, and I think it's one of the things that I like about what you've done with it, with a podcast. There's a big difference between what I call um, supportive, you know, supportive community um, and victim support. I don't want to be disparaging of any groups that do mm. this because it, it, there's a very real need for that. But yeah, Jim, Jim again, yeah, Jim, Jim said this beautifully, and he said, you know, you, you have an obligation to 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 shine a light, or you know, if your kid messes up. You have a as a parent, you have you have a, an obligation to kind of shine a light on that and show them that they're in a mess, or to empathise indeed if they're in a mess, but don't leave them in the mess. Show them the way out, or help them figure a way out themselves. Yeah, we would do that with our kids, and you should do that with the people who come into your world if you if you're curating any kind of group. So the idea that somebody yeah who who's not doing very well in business for that to be all right on an ongoing basis, no, it's not. Um, I think we have that obligation. So sharing vulnerabilities is a powerful thing. And I think it is something that should be welcomed and should be encouraged, but not so much that it starts to become victimhood, mm -hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. I draw a line there. Um, yeah. There's a strength in it, but there's also a weakness in it. And I think, again, as leaders, we need to be we need to be aware of that. Awesome. And if there was to find out more about what you do and success engineers or other, your other businesses where can they go and, and find out more and connect yeah them? i mean success engineers is front and center of pretty much what i do all the other stuff is just stuff that i get involved in you know offline if you like in the in the real world as it were <laughs> um so um success engineers um it's uh, successengineers.co we couldn't get .com um that is actually an engineering firm would you believe um and we engineer success we don't engineer yeah, mechanical things. So successengineers.co is a good place to go. Um, in, on Facebook, the Facebook, the free Facebook group um, is success. We call it Success Unlocked. So searching for it will do that. But the group itself is called Success Engineers. Just come on the Facebook, knock on the door, and 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 come and you know come see if it kind of is for you. They're the two main areas. We're in all the usual social media places, but they're the two places to go find us. Awesome. Thank you so much for your wisdom and your time today, do you? Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, John. Thank you for listening to the Unspoken Truths of Digital Leadership. I hope you found this interview insightful and useful. Please remember to subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have found it useful, please feel free to send it and share it to your network, as I will be very appreciative that it will spread and help out more people in the world if you would like more information or the show notes and resources that I will be providing you, then please go to www.johnopoon.com, go to the blog and find the podcast section. 
Step up, show up, and stay up. Take care.